Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host and founder of the LowToxLife.com. So if you haven't checked out the site yet for whatever reason, you're just listening to the show thinking it's just a podcast, then there's this whole website of awesome recipes and education tools, e-courses, uh, articles for you to explore. Um, and I want to welcome you to the community for anyone who's new Now, today is a great show. I am interviewing someone who I've had the great benefit of having as a practitioner in my health circle, if you like, uh, Tracy McMullen. She's an energetic healer, a Chinese medical practitioner, and founded her studies on a science degree, uh, and from there just um, started to feel more and more that there was a deeper and deeper uh, element to healing that we needed to go to, thus exploring and mastering, I think, energetic medicine. She is such a gifted healer. It, she came to me because my wonderful assistant, Elise, had done some work with her and she had said, look, I think there's someone you really like for the show initially. And of course, I would, um, if I can, um, when I'm thinking about interviewing someone for the show on a topic especially that we haven't covered before, um, I like to ensure that I've experienced whatever it is we're going to be talking about. And luckily, Tracy practices here in Sydney in Leichhardt. So lucky you, Sydney Siders, you can actually go see her. But I was um, blown away at my discovery slash session and booked myself in very quickly for another couple. Um, and you'll hear me on the show actually start to talk about some ideas that I have around another session that I want to book with. <laughs> uh, as so typically happens when I'm talking to amazingly gifted people. And, and, and Tracy's definitely one of those. Now, uh, she is, uh, how shall I say, she's just so calm sounding and it's just, you know, you'll probably be as mesmerised as I am by the calm way in which she explains things. And, uh, and I think if you have, haven't had any experience um, with energetic healing yourself, if it's not a type of therapy you've tried, um, Tracy does her best to explain what is essentially intangible uh, and uh, has some fan- fascinating anecdotes um, around a couple of case studies, and uh, and we we discuss things like certain frequencies that you can play for achieving greater uh, levels of relaxation, and uh, she shares so much useful stuff. I know you're going to love it. Um, now, before I jump into that, we have. Two wonderful show sponsors this month. As you know, I started talking about both Little Urchin um, last week and uh, one of the shops that Little Urchin is ranged in, The Wonderful Nourished Life. And uh, this is uh, one for Australian listeners only, I'm afraid. But Nourish Life does ship internationally. You just have to email them and ask for um, your order that way and, and what the rates might be. So it is possible. And we have 10% off the entire Nourished Life website for the month of December. Uh, so I want you to make the most of that. If you have any little last-minute gifts that you need to get, um, you're not much of a DIYer, then make the most of that. Or if, more importantly, you are wanting to very strategically swap out a few things in your low-tox goals and you you are over-receiving poisonous scented candles from well-meaning family members when you're not going to use them and then feel bad throwing them out or donating them knowing that they're um, full of phthalates, which are disrupting hormones and all those nasties um, that come along with many scented candles and and um, and generally just gifts you didn't want. 
you know, a lot of a lot of the time we receive things we don't want. So what could be better than finding what you do want on Nourish Life, sending someone the direct link and saying, this is what I want. And by the way, I've even got a special code for you to get 10% off. Like who wouldn't be grateful that you had actually pointed them in the right direction? There's some fantastic things on that website um, from home to face to body to um, health to food to cookbooks um, in the health space. So, you know, there, there's no way you wouldn't find something that you would either want to receive nor to give um, on the Nourish Life website. So enjoy that. And I've also put in the show notes four packs that I have created of my favorite collections on Nourish Life for cleaning, which I get is not a super sexy thing to gift, but maybe it's something you want to receive, something mega practical on the face, my favorite face products from their um, brands and my favorite uh, kids products. If you're wanting to gift a friend, someone who's like, oh, I want to go low tox and I want to, you know, switch out all my things and it's all too hard. I don't know what to do. uh, I'm going to have to do all this research. Why don't you just give them the low tox kids pack from Nourish Life and it's got everything they need to get going from the bath products to the um, tooth products to the, you know, hair products everything in one. And then my favorite, which is the reusables pack. And you have the straws, the produce bags, the gorgeous coffee cup. One of our beautiful Lotox Life produced GOTS certified organic um, shopping bags with the beautiful Real Food Manifesto on them um, and a couple of other goodies in there as well. Uh, So, you know, all of that in an awesome reusables pack makes reusables super gorgeous and exciting and attractive for a family member. So enjoy those. And then, of course, with Little Urchin, a wonderful low-tox sunscreen, uh, beautiful texture. You can read some of the reviews right there on Nourish Life about how much less oily people are finding it, less thick than many of the low-tox sunscreens, which can tend to be sometimes a little bit gluggy. And it's kind of like health food, isn't it? We don't want to suffer through a, a cheesecake or a slice just because someone says it's healthy. So we think, oh, at least it's healthy. But like, if you're not enjoying it, then the swap isn't a nice swap to make. And I think the same goes for anything. So with sun cream, it's really just about trying ones until um, you find a texture that you are satisfied with and you love. And for me, Little Urchin really delivers on that texture. My little man doesn't mind it at all. Um, He finds it really easy to apply himself at tennis camp or um, at school now that it's getting warmer for us. And, um, and it's just gorgeous, beautiful family in Australia that have produced it. Um, as I said last week, no one goes into making a sunscreen lightly. It is a very costly exercise. And if we want this low-tox sunscreen category to grow, to r- achieve critical mass so that we can get some economy of scale happening um, and encourage our um, providers to have big pump packs for schools and all those sorts of things, and we need to support them while they're young and get behind them and help their businesses grow. So little sunscreen has three products in their range the sunscreen itself spf 30 and three hours water resistant which is great they also have the tinted moisturizer and a moisturizer and if you get the tinted moisturizer and the sunscreen you receive for free the daily moisturizer so essentially you're getting buy two get one free and all you need to write is um, free urchin in the um, comments box uh, when you're putting your order through so that you get your 10% off overall um, 
Nourish Life items, but you also get this free extra if you get those two products. So that's a pretty sweet deal and one that you can make the most of all December. There's going to be a time that you run out of sunscreen. There's going to be a time you're going to want to replace your um, tinted moisturizer or BB cream. So why not give the little urchin ones a go? I think they're a fabulous new business, really lovely people and worth our support. So that's it from me, folks. Oh, if you're starting to stress out about uh, Christmas entertaining, um, celebratory entertaining of any kind, uh, regardless of whether you're religious or not, really, I've produced with my gorgeous team member, Steph, a brilliant uh, low-tox entertaining guide called Celebrate, and it's all of our favourite recipes and cocktails. Yes, there are kombucha cocktails. And uh, ideas for reducing waste, for DIYing gifts, for how to lay a low-tox table, for what to do if you're picnicking um, and to not freak out about um, plastics and all those sorts of things and what you can use instead. It's called Celebrate. It's an ebook that's only $9 for you guys with a little code that I've got in the show notes today. Okay, so that's really all you've got from me. I'm going to hook straight into this chat with Tracy because it is a good one. Enjoy. Hi, Tracy. How are you? I'm good, Alex. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. And I'm excited to have you on the show today because you are one of my practitioners and it's always super exciting when I know absolutely personally without a doubt how special the person joining me on the show is through my own experience. So it's it's wonderful to have you here. But for the people who obviously might not know you out there, given there's people tuning in from all over the world, I'd love to start with um, how it is that you came to be doing what you do today. Okay. Um, it started out with a science uh, science degree that really backfired on me. Oh. Um, I was lining myself up for a job that really didn't exist yet. Um, so my background is biomed science, um, and I've always had a leaning towards health and medicine and all the processes that are involved in that, but especially how it affects people's lives and, and you know, new ways of doing things and whether or not things can be improved. Um, and I've also have a perverse, almost an obsession with um, forces unseen and why things happen. Mm. Um, so I'm afraid I was one of those kids always asking why and what does this do and sticking my fingers in light sockets and letting <laughs> spiders run up my arms just so I could watch what happened. Um, so with respect to what I do today, um, it's a natural integration of all this. It's mm. foundations for me are definitely science-based and it's evolved with layers of Chinese and Japanese medicine, Ayurvedic and metaphysical medicine as operational and functional overlays. And yeah. these really do explain the forces unseen and the electrical and the metabolic systems of the body as well as the mind-body connection so beautifully. Yeah, amazing. And I think, you know, like... It, for me, it just feels like you're one of those people who understands that science is a movable thing and you can actually go in different directions and explore new sciences, seen and unseen, to get the best outcomes for your patients. And I think it's such a progressive way of thinking, but I also believe it's probably um, a huge attribution to why you get such amazing um, results, even though sometimes people can't actually explain them, which I think is uh, is cool if people are willing to just let go yeah. into that. Um, but, you know, I, I guess integrative energetic medicine, I can hear the echoes of, you know, what's all that woo-woo, non-concrete nonsense um, as I even say those words. Um, 
especially for sceptics out there, and I'm not pretending that we can convert everybody into thinking that um, that it might be a good idea, but I definitely think we can raise curiosity and, um, and substantiate via important anecdotes in clinic. Um, and it's... Uh, you know, I guess I'd love to hear you explain this form of healing practice and how how do you explain how it works for people? That's always um, that's always a difficult one. Mm, so. I know. <laughs> um, what we do does, in fact, have a science somewhat pragmatic basis, mm. and that's the concrete flooring, um, so to speak. The woo-woo factor is largely because we can't see the forces in play, um, but my God, you can feel them. Mm. Um, so and I think it's a bit like that. Sorry. Sorry. So how do you feel them? Uh, we've trained um, to feel with our hands and it's based on uh, the electromagnetism of the body and it's fine-tuning your perception and your senses so you can actually pick up on this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a bit like asking a neurosurgeon if you've ever if they've ever seen a thought while they're cutting into someone's brain. Yeah. And we all accept that thoughts are very real constructs and do exist. It's just a little difficult to, you know, stain them and put them onto the microscope slide. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the forces in our body are electromagnetic in nature. And what we do as a practice is to manipulate and correct and remove congestion or stimulate these forces and the areas that they affect. Mm -hmm. So is that kind of like um, uh, talking about blocked chakras? The, the chakras of Ayurvedic are just one, um, one aspect of the right. energetic system. Um, there's, there's other electrical plumbings, which are also known as uh, the, the meridians, mm-hmm. and there are lines of force that go in between those and there are lines of force that emanate out of every organ system as well. I've got so um, many questions. I just keep thinking <laughs> of all these questions. Um, so, like, is this why one of the reasons so many of us are negatively affected by electromagnetics around us through technology? Most definitely, mm. and and it's been proved over and over again. Yeah, you know, every every part of our body is affected by electromagnetic forces, either inside or outside of it. Yeah, and with respect to inside, you know, you've got your circulation right down to the flow of ions across electrically charged cell membranes. And then it carries through to the daily ruminations of our mind. So it's it's really interconnected. Mm. Um, and in terms of mitigating that as a, um, a practitioner, what do you recommend we do? Uh, is it something as simple as just grounding ourselves to nature as much as possible? Nature is um, an incredible balancer and a cleanser. Mm. And so everyone's got access to a patch of grass and doing specific grounding exercises uh, would would basically help somebody's energetic field as well as calm down their mind and and affect their physiology. Yeah, Uh, it's that old thing, you know, you're walking on the beach on your holiday and you think, God, I feel good right now. And or, you know, you're having your bath in, in beautiful water and you're thinking, gosh, why don't I do this more often? And to really actually tune into those feelings we get on those sporadic times that we do these things and actually make them commonplace in our day-to-day, isn't it? Well, it's it's a matter of looking at why we can't make them commonplace doing it day-to-day. Mm, hello. <laughs> <laughs> that probably just hit a whole bunch of people like a ton of bricks. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, so... Root cause is something I know you're very passionate about and um, and and you, it's something you call primary holding. Can you explain that and how you find it in a person? Sure. It's, um, it's 
a little bit complex and just in terms of explaining it, um, broken it up into sort of a couple of aspects that so everybody will be able to um, you know, access what we're saying. Yeah. So in identifying uh, processes of this, uh, it sort of operates on a few levels. And firstly, it's about talking with the person and asking questions and really, really listening to them. We listen to what they say and what they don't say, how they say it, um, and feeling into how they are when they do say it. Mm. And this in itself gives us a lot of information. Um, so on this level, it's getting a real understanding of what's happened in their lives, what their beliefs patterns are, and how it's affected their mental and emotional outlook. And secondly, it's about assessing how they are energetically. And this goes on in conjunction with the talking and listening process. So we're not only listening to their story, we're feeling into how their energetic field changes in response to what they are saying. Wow. So, and is this how you tap into things that the person's not even conscious of themselves? Or hiding, yeah. Or yeah, hiding, definitely. yeah. I, and I'll share something that's happened in one of our sessions, if you don't mind, that I do, Tracy, because I think sure. often um, these concepts are hard to understand unless we can see an example. But there yeah. I was lying face down and... Um, you started to ask me about my beautiful son and the process, what my pregnancy was like, and and there were just a couple of really routine seeming questions, you know, just just asking about how everything was, and I spontaneously burst into tears, and it uncovered something I had never realised for myself, which was just how afraid I was of growing this human and all the things that could go wrong. Um, and uh, and all the things that kind of did go wrong when it came to the birthing process and how terrified I was. And I had never actually faced that fear um, or tried to unpack it in any way. I just, you know, you move on, you get the healthy baby and you you get on with it. But often there's things that we actually skip over, aren't there? And if we do that, then it can create cascade effects in the body. Is that Am I kind of on the right track with that? Most definitely. Mm. Um, for most of us, um, the root cause may be unconscious mm. and we may have little or no awareness of why an event or a trauma that happened either last week or 20 years ago is still affecting our lives right now. Mm. And the opposite is also true when a person is conscious of a trauma and they feel that they've dealt with it in some way. Mm -hmm. and on some levels, maybe they have, um, but they haven't resolved the root cause on an energetic level, so it will still affect them and play out in their life in some way, shape, or form. Um, just to, to explain how it affects us on all levels, when we experience a traumatic event, we sort of create like a, an energetic Pandora's box. Mm. And this box really does reside in our mental, our emotional, our phys physical, and our energetic fields. So along with the trauma, there's our inherent belief systems, our automatic emotional responses to things, our attitudes and opinions about our lives, and other people and all this going on at the same time yeah so the root cause can become hidden or clouded by this mental and emotional tangled up overlay and the trauma could be considered major or relatively minor but once we shelve it in the box so to speak the effect on our health and life can be far-reaching isn't that nuts? I mean, but it makes sense as well because when anyone who's ever been to an osteopath or a chiropractor knows that, you know, you, you shift a certain vertebrae a certain way and you can feel like a million dollars. You can feel completely cleared and, and happy almost. Um, so we do hold these tensions, um, physical tensions in our bodies um, 
and and that would probably be an example a lot of people would understand already in um in someone they might see once or twice a year but um in terms of um what you're talking about there when you say um uh, the energy becomes blocked. So does it manifest, like does the same kind of thing that we're suppressing manifest the same way for everybody or are we then so bio-individual that many different things happen in many different people and that's why um, and that's why it can become especially tricky to unpack? Exactly, um, because everybody is so completely different. And um, with getting to the root causes of things, there are so many things that are going to contribute to its holding and why it's it appearing so um, either unaccessible or it's creating different symptoms in different ways. Um, but with, um, with the root cause, it'll often involve aspects of a person's life that was occurring either at the time or just before the onset of these symptoms. And so whatever is happening in a person's life will also individually create another layer to that. Um, but with cascading symptoms, no matter how complex they appear, they will always point towards something. Because we're, we are energetic beings and there isn't a part of the process um, that happens in or around our body that is not energetic, then we can basically work out what it is. So, for example, a person presents with, say, chronic headaches, digestive issues and pain and stiffness in the knees, to many practitioners, they'll see it as three separate problems. But right. to us, the energetic and physical relationship and connection is very clear. And the cause of these symptoms is a congestion in one of the major energetic pathways that are in the body. So when you work and understand um, energetic physiology and anatomy, cascading or complex systems and symptoms, sorry, in many cases are very simple to resolve. You've got to look at the body as a whole mm. um, and mm. then you can understand how unrelated symptoms are in fact very related and how they can be dealt with. Wow. Gosh, I've just thought of something else I want to come and see you about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, can you give us another example? So let's just have a think about something that's really what, – what do you see commonly time and time again that someone who's tried everything and they eventually come to you for? Because I'd imagine energetic healing's not at the forefront of everybody's mind at this point in time and they'd see a doctor, then they might see uh, a specialist or they might see a naturopath if they're holistic-minded and then a nutritionist, a chiropractor. I mean, you know, there are a lot of people who um, – um, dealing more holistically but still symptomatically um, and it can sometimes be when we've explored all avenues uh, and uh, that we then find energetic healing as just another thing to try. Why not? But then it can actually be an incredible um, source. I'd imagine you get people quite far down the end of the line. Am I right in saying that? Oh, most definitely. Mm. Um, we're definitely the last resort. But um, Isn't we, that we do- tragic when it's just when you can achieve so much? Hopefully, hopefully this episode will actually help people discover people like you guys a bit sooner. Yeah, well, people haven't heard of what we do and so mm. they go to what they know. Mm. But I'd say that what we do see a lot of um, is tricky people or people who are closed. Yeah. Um, and getting to the root cause of their issues can be a bit more of a challenge for us. So um, initially we approach these people by building a level of trust. And if they have been through the medical system, you know, they're being worn down by it. They're a little bit jaded by the time they, they get to us. Mm. Um, but everyone comes and sees us for a specific reason. 
And more often than not, they, you know, they've been to multiple practitioners and their problem has not been or has only partially been resolved. So we work to resolve the physical issue they may have, such as back pain or headaches or endocrine problems, which are increasingly common. Mm. And mm. once they see and feel a change in their physical condition, they become more open and responsive and trusting to the rest of the process that's involved. Um, and sometimes it's a matter of just talking and listening to them and going through some gentle energetic exercises so they begin to feel more comfortable and relaxed on all levels, and that's physically, mentally, and emotionally. And it's from here that they become open up to the process and we really start to get results for them. Wow. It's, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach, not at all. Um, our treatment protocols are very much tailored to the person who's in front of us. Well, you can't know what to expect if conversation is a part of your diagnosis, right? That's right, yeah. <laughs> It could go anywhere. <laughs> and it often does. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, I love how you talk about dealing with the stuff that happens in our life and you have something called, uh, called a pile of pearls approach. Um, uh, could you go into what this pile of pearls approach actually is? Sure. Um, everything we've ever experienced and felt or have gone through yeah. um, really has contributed to who we are right now. And that's all the good stuff and the not so good stuff. Um, you know, things happen to all of us and our experience of them will be specific to our level of perception and balance at pretty much at the time that they occurred. And as we get older or further into our lives, you know, things start to pile up and form layers, often embedding aspects of trauma or things that haven't been resolved or discharged. And these can dictate patterns of occurrences, patterns of behaviour and shape and really affect our belief systems. And all these form little pearls of stuckness, if you will. Mm. And mm. they will pile up somewhere in the body or the psyche of the person and affect how they operate in their lives. So by looking at this pile of accumulated pearls, you don't need to dredge up and go through every aspect or problem. You just need to identify the core holdings and deal with these. And what? often it's like... Sorry? Sorry, no, no, no. <laughs> Please keep going. I'll, I'll tell you something that I just remembered about my childhood afterwards because I think it's okay. so interesting when you start to think about this pile building up and little tiny things that were too young to deal with at the time or know how to deal with can end yeah. up then getting buried. I totally get it. That's right. So with the with this pile, um, it's the way to basically resolve a lot of issues is like taking the large pearl at the bottom of the pile and then the pile disintegrates because the foundations of the pile have been affected. And that large pearl is you know, what we would call the core holding. So when stuff happens in our lives, it doesn't need to be analysed and it doesn't need to be dealt. It just needs to be dealt with efficiently so the mind can really let go of it. We feel that there's a really a, a big danger in keeping people talking about things for days, weeks or months about problematic aspects of their lives because it keeps them stuck mm. by constantly re-engaging that trauma. And this, is, this has a huge impact on the body and on the person. And, you know, not everything needs to be analysed. It just needs to be dealt with in a manner very specific to that person so their mind can let go of it. And when that happens, there is no structure to that pile anymore and that person's life and outlook and level of emotional intelligence can change dramatically. I've seen people's lives really change in a couple of days after the core issue has been dealt with because it's affected absolutely everything for them. That is just amazing. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking back to this 
one hilarious, I mean, we'll think it's hilarious, but it was probably deeply traumatizing for me at the time. Um, example of a year four social situation where there was this girl in our class, in our friendship group, who decided to come up with this little um, tab that you could attach between two desks of two friends. And if that little piece of paper tab broke, then they weren't friends anymore. And who knows why on earth she developed this game. But uh, We think it was because she wanted to actually break a couple of us up so that she could be closer to that other person um, and have an excuse to do that. And um, And I remember that. Like I remember like it was – like it was yesterday. I can't remember how it felt, but I can remember it happening. It's one of my childhood memories. And I wonder whether that then becomes this, oh my gosh, friendship is so volatile and I could lose my friend at any second. Um, And therefore not forming close relationships with people because, well, it could just all turn to SHIT anyway. And, and, you know, something could happen. It could just break. And uh, I, like, I just, you know, I'm, and I know there'll be people listening who'll have all sorts of memories going through their minds right now, just like the one I shared that might feel like, oh, ha ha, wasn't that a crazy thing that that girl did that time? But if you picture that nine-year-old girl dealing with that situation, like surely that becomes one of the pearls, right? Most definitely. And I wonder where that girl is right now. Mm. Just respect to her life. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Um, Wow. Okay. So you say things don't need to be analysed or or they need to be dealt with more efficiently. So in terms of when you were exploring how best to help people um, on their um, journeys because clearly you wanted to be a practitioner and you – we obviously then look at all the different ways we can be helpful to people, right? And there are a lot of different ways that come across our paths. Is that why um, once you sort of looked at energetic medicine, is that why you felt that things like um, perhaps counselling, psychology, no no disrespect to people who are in those professions, of course, um, but perhaps um, that you felt that you were going, you are able to go deeper faster by doing it physically? When you combine both aspects, that's when you can get uh, results not only efficiently but very, very quickly. Agree, because you definitely bring counselling into your sessions. It doesn't feel like counselling, but but really being asked some specific questions around trauma or um, things that you've been frustrated by in life or negativity or negative patterns you can't break, that in itself is counselling really, isn't it? It's it's just um, allowing the person to see things from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And so they end up actually counselling themselves. Yes. That's definitely how it feels. Um, wow. Okay. Super powerful stuff. Um, so you talk about resolving those root trauma-based causes so that they don't manifest in other ways. So how does a trauma manifest – like does a trauma manifest – in one way later or can it actually have a lot more power over us and do a lot of things later on and pop up in a lot of different ways? Um, most definitely. The, it's To describe how a trauma will manifest in anybody is, you know, how long's a piece of rope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but um, it's interesting. Um, a lot of people presume that they've worked through um, aspects and, and released traumas, but they haven't. They're not done with them yet. And the way that you know that you're not done um, with the resolution of something is simply that your symptoms haven't not been alleviated or that you start developing more Mm. or that you just really don't feel any better. 
Um, you know, people often think and presume that they've dealt with an issue. But if it's not completely discharged, the body will always throw up physical or mental or emotional symptoms to indicate otherwise. Um, you know, just, just from the perspective that our bodies have such incredible intelligence and the mind-body connection is so deliciously integrate, integrate that when you work with both, um, balance can be restored and symptoms alleviated. And that to us is the most significant aspect in treating someone. Yeah, of um, course. And with respect to other ways unresolved issues can manifest, that can be through relationship problems, anxiety, you know, sleep disturbances, mineral imbalances in the body, endocrine disruptions, weight gain, weight loss, allergies, retroviruses, infertility, uh, kidney problems, and an increasingly um, inability to handle toxins. Mm. So when not so great things happen in our lives, there's a drop in our personal frequency set or vibration, sorry for the word we speak, um, <laughs> then, we, then we become more susceptible to basically experiencing further imbalances and it can often feel like nothing's going right for us. Wow. Uh, yeah, and I think a lot of people are going, oh, gosh, okay, yep, right. Because <laughs> I, I think so many people find our community, the low-tox community, because they're searching and because they're looking for um, ways to just not feel so toxic or not feel like there's so many symptoms they can't explain. And um, oh. and it, it almost feels like there are more and more illnesses being diagnosed to group together some of these seemingly unrelated symptoms. Um, how do you feel about new illnesses being diagnosed? Um, it's a bit of a tangent and I know I didn't um, share this question with you earlier in the week when I sent them through, but I'd be really curious to know because surely as an energetic practitioner you're, you're thinking, well, they are related but we don't need to call it something and then create this whole um, supplement-based or me medication-based protocol. Maybe we actually need to work on why this crazy um, group of symptoms manifested in the first place. Do you ever think that? Yeah, um, because we're seeing more and more labels being almost invented for things that allopathic medicine or mainstream medicine cannot explain. Mm. Um, and so instead of looking for what's behind the symptoms, they just create a whole new aspect of symptoms or a whole new disease process. Yeah. And it really confuses the issue and it confuses the person. Yes. Um uh, yes, absolutely. I, I mean, I can think of just all of the new, um, like uh, the new endocrine disorders that are being labelled and, and, you know, they're very tricky protocols to follow, often ridiculously limited in terms of foods and, and all sorts of things. But um, if there's a blockage that we're not releasing to then fortify the body to heal itself then there's no amount of cover-up that's really going to work in the long run, is there? No, and currently with the medical system, there's there's almost like um, an ego-based um, thing that's in operation where people feel the need to substantiate that they have discovered or created or identified a particular new process, when in fact it's it's not new at all. It's just got another layer on top of it. Right. Um. So you talk about, that leads us into this next question beautifully, actually. So results-based versus evidence-based. Um, can you explain what the difference is first? Sure. This is one of my favourite bugbears. Yeah. Um, <laughs> evidence-based is a one-size-should-fit-most approach, but it doesn't. 
Uh, Evidence-based medicine is technically just a substantiation of expected results given a range of parameters and likely differentials. It's largely based on symptoms and cause and effect and um, what is known to usually work and the parameters are always presumed. So you have to fit into a particular category in order to get a result with the protocols that have been defined for that category. And when a result is not achieved, it's likely to be substantiated as having either additional factors or complications specific to that person, Mm -hmm. therefore impacting on their evidence-based protocol. And this is exactly what we're seeing happening with clients all the time. You know, if we were all the same, we thought the same, we dressed the same, we ate the same food, we had the same experiences and the same response to toxins and the same degree of emotional intelligence and emotional reactivity, then you could fit into these evidence-based parameters. But we're not, thank Mm. God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And results-based medicine, which is what we're aligned to, is where your eyes are on the finishing line, so to speak, the result that that person requires and wants. And when you look at that, res- what result is required for a person and you look at how they are in themselves that, and what's really important to them and what shapes their perception and fuels their expectations, then you can use the most appropriate and efficient methods and treatment protocols to get that result for them. And it's going to be different for every person. Yeah. So a results-based treatment is tailored to the person's individual I suppose, physical and energetic makeup and takes into account their specific mind-body connection and its level of impact on the problem that's being presented. So it needs to be focused on the result. And until it is, I suspect even more people are going to fall through the cracks and won't be treated efficiently by mainstream medicine. Mm. And then the the sad thing about that um, evidence-based protocol if you like is a lot of people then end up feeling even more like there's something wrong with them they're the problem they get they feel guilty that it didn't work for them I know I've been that person um and and it then creates emotional trauma that you add um and and probably another another few pearls to the bucket exactly yes yeah wow um now, something I, I love that you do is incorporating some martial arts techniques and brainwave entrainment. Let's sort of treat those separately for a start. What are the martial arts techniques that you incorporate in your treatments? Look, there's, there's several that we do, mm. um, and it basically depends on what is required for that person. But the reason why we include the martial arts um, is because they're fabulous for developing structure and discipline and mental stability. Yeah. You know, I, I studied Hapkido many years ago. I mean, I was completely lousy at it, but what I did get from it was how to achieve balance and a real understanding of what that is. Um, so it provided me with a structure and a very different way of looking at things. So my mind didn't run from the room screaming when I was doing the exercises. Mm. Um, to this day, I still feel that they're the most efficient efficient way of stilling the mind and bringing coherence to our energetic fields as well as calming the parasympathetic nervous system. And I think this is something that we all need to consider. Mm. And it's so interesting, isn't it, because a lot of us think that we're failing when we can't sit still cross-legged um, repeating a mantra for 20 minutes twice a day in Vedic meditation or we've tried another type of meditation or we've been on a meditation retreat and we feel like we've failed. Sometimes that act of gentle repetitive movement like a martial arts, um, like um, uh, Qigong or um, uh, Tai Chi, you know, sometimes 
doing creates stillness, even if it's just so slow, and that'll respond. That'll sort of um, appeal to a different group of people who maybe you felt like forms of stilling the mind that you've tried haven't worked for you definitely bring some of those gentler martial arts onto your radar because I totally agree um doing a qigong class is just you you just feel so good afterwards it's incredible and I feel much more still and much um more alive and open and clear than I would if I tried to sit still and repeat a mantra for 20 minutes that doesn't work for me. But I know I have friends that it really, really does work for them. Um, so it's really about finding that unique way of stilling your mind, I think. That's right. And, and what you were speaking about um, would be considered moving meditations. Yeah. Uh, we also have martial arts um, techniques, uh, which actually don't even require you to get out of your chair. <laughs> <laughs> And, and these techniques, you know, will give people um, a workable structure that engages several aspects at once and helps them to retrain their mind, which is fabulous as a supportive tool, especially when we're on our way to treating other aspects. Mm. The one that you taught me, I can't remember what it's called, but where you put your hand on your diaphragm and you just notice your hand go up and down. What's that one called? That's called lower Dantian breathing to uh, basically... Uh, it's in martial arts. It's used to build core strength because the mind can destabilize core strength. Mm. How can the mind destabilize core strength? Uh, because that area is also where we process emotions or don't, and it's most susceptible to turning into a washing machine. Right. Um, so that's how the mind can actually really pull your own batteries out. Wow. So is this perhaps why some people feel like they can try and do all the sit-ups and bar classes and and core, you know, Pilates classes and just never seem to get anywhere with their core? Is that possibly an emotional thing that's at play there? Most definitely. If their mind is not, that area will never be strong. That is so exciting. Wow. (laughs) Okay. I've thought of another thing I want to get to you for. I'm just using this as a as a basically a personal diagnostic tool today. I'm sure other people are too, though. So, um, all very valid stuff. But yes, I feel like I haven't had a core since pregnancy, and um, I just assumed it was because I had a cesarean and I was just never going to be that strong in that area again. But if it links back to fear, um, then that would be a very interesting thing to explore. And I know there would be women out there who would feel the same. Yeah, um, and so brainwave entrainment. Let's talk about that. Okay, with um with the theta brainwave entrainment, we were initially exposed to that in our personal perception training, and we used it to widen, if you will, our perception and enhance our senses, and really to improve our cognitive function. But what we discovered though was that it was a shortcut to achieve the meditative state, um, because theta is the brainwave state um, achieved in deep meditation. Mm. So 15 minutes of a theta metronome will entrain your brain into a meditative state and 30 minutes can feel like a four-hour nap and a complete reset that can be felt physically and psychologically. And we've also found it really invaluable in the treatment of anxiety and sleep difficulties because the theta ranges um, affect on the neocortex. So we use it in what we use in our practice is a specific theta um, brain wave entrainment. It's it's a more pure and tested metronome sequence because you've got to be really careful with some of the stuff out there because people are running subliminals and all kinds of weird stuff and it can affect things quite badly. Oh, so how do we know whether we're on the right track with something like this? 
Uh, we, anybody with a specific inquiry, um, we, we can certainly point them in, in the right direction if they're, they're querying something that they're using. Mm-hmm. Great. Or they're steered towards something which we know is, is um, not doctored in any way. Yeah. And so the theta metronome, is this just a sound recording that we listen to? It is, and, yeah. and it's, it's a really annoying when you first listen to it, beep, 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 beep. I can, I can attest to that, yep. <laughs> and the reason why it is annoying is because the brain spikes in theta when we're angry. Yeah. Um, but it, okay. it only takes two or three listens to actually get past that because the benefits are, are well worth it. Yeah, and I've found if I put it on, I'll, the next thing I know, I'll just wake up. And it'll, wow. yeah, yeah, it just puts me in the calmest, most rested state within probably, I'd say, 10 minutes now. And I've been listening to it for three, four weeks. And it's really dry clean your neocortex then. Mm, yeah. it's And so what is the benefit of doing that in terms of our overall health? Uh, well, because it has such a huge impact on the parasympathetic nervous system, it's going to affect how your body um basically internalizes stress, how it reacts to things. It can uh, reduce inflammatory responses in the body and it can really stabilize that mind-body connection. Wow. So could that be one of the contributing factors to why I don't feel as jumpy? Like if I see an insect that's like a huge cockroach or something, cockroaches don't really bug me, but that first sight of them always would normally make me really like I couldn't go wah um but I saw one kind of scurry across the other day and I just didn't even bat an eyelid would the that be part of the work that I've been doing listening to that metronome most definitely because it, you're you're not as reactive and mm. reactory reactionary states always destabilizes that is so cool and so how can we get our hands on a recording if we're listening to this in Michigan in the States or we're in Uganda and we can't just pop down to Leichhardt and see you? <laughs> okay, so there's probably 960 billion of these kind of things over the internet. But what I might do, Alex, is send you a list of what we requ- uh, what we feel are um, appropriate metronome sequences. Brilliant. And I'll pop that in the show notes for you guys so that you can, after the show, pop onto the show notes and um, download from credible sources. So that way we're protecting everybody. That's great. Brilliant. Um, now, where shall we go next? So something I'd love to ask you is uh, a big part of the work that you do is, and you alluded to this in the beginning, is help people come into their power. Now, this is something that has been quite cliche in the world of nouveau coaches out there on the internet um, you know, with the Facebook ads and the big funnels and, and all that kind of stuff that you can feel yourself sucked into. And then you're like, no, I'm in a funnel. Um, you know, <laughs> I can't get out. Um, so there's a lot of people talking about um, helping people come into their power. But when you talk about it, I really listen because uh, I know how much you do in terms of all of the things we've already talked about that help people feel strong in themselves and strong in their bodies. Um do you believe it's often like reasons they initially come to see you um, uh, to some degree because they're feeling powerless? Yes, yes, definitely. Anyone experiencing problems or setbacks will be to a varying extent you know, disconnected from their full potential or power. And we see that as their power to create. Mm. So powerless is a really good way to describe it, Alex. Yeah, and so inability to create, does that mean 
Like so for people who would normally have lots of ideas and, and come up with great things to do for the family or even come up with a great recipe and then all of a sudden you find yourself unable to create anything, even like sit in front of your computer at work for three hours feeling like you haven't achieved anything. Is that what powerlessness can feel like to us in a day-to-day scenario? Are there other examples? That, that is basically one aspect, you know, the, the whole idea of procrastination overtaking us. Mm. Um, also, the, the power to create one's life. Yeah. Right. So the first thing we see um, about someone is their potential and where it lies in them, their areas of strength and power. And it gives us a huge indication of what that person can achieve in their life. And it's one of my favorite aspects of treating, actually, because most people aren't really aware that they have a definitive power or how they can use it. Mm. And mm. and people just light up when you explain this aspect of their individuality to them. And it doesn't mean everybody needs to step into their power as the prime minister of the country or as an activist swinging off a boat in the Pacific. It doesn't need to be big, grand gestures, does it? It needs to... I mean, could you share what what that can feel like for people just in, you know, in a beautiful everyday life? Oh, I suppose in in terms of everyday um, sequencing, we're looking at somebody who has resolute ideas of what they want to achieve, what Mm. they want to do in that week or what their goals are, and they're actually able to follow through and synchronicities line up for them that actually get them to what they want sooner. And so if those people aren't operating from a a position of power and their own power, then they wouldn't be able to get where they want to so efficiently. Yeah, right. Um, And I'm sure that resonates with a lot of us out there. You almost feel blocked. You feel like you know what your goals are, but you've got no idea of, or you even know what the steps are to get there. But for some reason, the A to B journey isn't being taken. Yeah, that's right. Um, so why do you think we hold ourselves back so often then? Um, well, why we cut ourselves off and why mm. we hold ourselves back will always be um, because of what's happened in our lives, you know, right. the unresolved issues, the pain we're avoiding, the redundant belief patterns and really how we feel about ourselves or family influences. Um, sadly, not many people deal with these issues effectively, so they're limited um, in their ability to connect with their personal power and they can become quite hindered in getting what they want. And this is especially so when a belief pattern that is distorted or past its use-by date or a way of operating in the world that's been allowed to develop because of an unresolved issue um, and they're cut off, cut off from aspects of their power, that person's individual configuration of power may never become fully operational. And so they don't achieve their plans and dreams and life just happens to them. Mm. So that to us is the powerlessness and often the foundations of disease in the body and mind. And it's interesting when you do show someone how much or to what extent they compromise themselves or make themselves powerless. And it'll often take the form of the people pleaser or where someone will consistently subjugate themselves under another person to achieve a certain thing or feel their version of safe. Mm. And when this comes, this becomes a person's way of operating in the world, it can play havoc with them energetically, really compromising their ability to access their power and access to create their life, and it's so important. And is that sometimes why people um, might get sick, like almost as a protective barrier? Most definitely, most definitely. Wow, that's big. Um, 
So, oh gosh, <laughs> I feel like I could ask you a billion questions, but I definitely have a couple more that I want to ask you. Um, mm-hmm. First, I guess I'd love, because this is probably something um, that's outside of the scope of what a lot of people have um, turned to in terms of practitioner support, I'd love to hear a case study, um, you know, like perhaps a woman with young kids, so many people in our audience are that person, Um and maybe they're navigating a recurringly sick child or a difficult birth or recurring pain of some kind. Or, and I'd love for you to share a case that you've worked on that's, that comes to mind, I guess, um, on, on finally getting some resolution for that person. Sure. Um, I'll, I'll give you a, a case study of somebody which probably encompasses all of that um, in, in varying degrees. Um, a f- about four or five years ago, I had the honour of assisting a very beautiful and very strong woman, um, and she came for treatment for a variety of issues, the main one being the inability to conceive. Um, but what was also going on was the grinding of teeth, sleep problems, IBS, massive fatigue, skin breakouts, and a thyroid issue. Um, when I first met her, um, emotionally and mentally, she was, she was quite reactionary, um, and energetically, she was closed and brittle. Um, she'd said that she'd seen, I think uh, she'd been through about four years of therapy and medical interventions, and none of them uh, gave her any success. But one of the first things she told me was that she had a short fuse with dealing with people and that she was intolerant of idiots. And so we were also dealing with um, anger issues as well. And when she spoke about what had happened in her life thus far and what she had been through, as well as what she wanted, which did include, of course, starting a family, it was obvious that there were several aspects to her root cause. You know, she was so strong in the heart area, which is fantastic energetically, but all her life experiences had caused her major problems, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and and it was impacting on absolutely everything. So this woman had been consistently um, molested and and bashed by a family member for nearly a decade. Oh, and God. When, I, when I saw her, she was in her 20s. Um, so it was in, in a very formative time of her life. And what she had gone through was pretty nasty. Look, we often see single traumas with people, but this lady had multiple, multiple traumas. Um, in Chinese medicine, there is a channel that goes from the heart to the uterus. And when it's not flowing, or it's congested, in other words, it affects one's ability um, to conceive or even carry a baby. Mm. And hers was like a thick, stagnant rope. So the root cause um, for her was the repeated rape. But the hinge pin, the big pearl that we were speaking about previously, that was the intense hatred she felt and was carrying and emanating when she thought of or was reminded of that particular family member. Mm. It used to make my hair stand up in the back of my oh, neck. My hairs are standing up right now. When she really went into this emotion. But mm. um, you know, when, when I got her to the significant stage where she felt completely neutral towards that perpetrator, everything changed for her. Wow. Uh, and when I say neutral, I mean the absence of any emotion, any opinion, any judgment. You know, He no longer had a hold over her mind or physiology through that intense binding of hatred and suppressed rage, I suppose, was there as well. Yeah, of course. And can you just explain, as your hands move over a body or moved over that channel, what that thick rope felt like to you? You know those um, ropes that you see hold the ferries to the harbour side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That's what it felt like. <gasps> wow. And it actually felt like it was cutting my hands. It was that brutal. But anyway, for this lady, um, she pretty much did ditch that mouth guard overnight, which didn't really impress her because it cost a lot. Mm. Um, her skin cleared up, you know, pretty much with um, minimal hormonal um, eruptions in with her cycle. Her thyroid eventually corrected. Uh, the OBS symptoms were, were pretty much all alleviated. And the big thing, um, she fell pregnant, I think, three or four months later and had a 100% healthy girl. Oh, that's amazing. I want to cry. <laughs> well, this bit will make you cry. Um, oh, recently, I had the opportunity to observe her, hmm. um, and she wasn't aware that I was around. She was in a park with her two kids. And look, I don't usually lurk behind bushes in the park. I'm just walking by. <laughs> I didn't pick you for that type of person, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> but it was stunning to watch. You know, her energy was so serene. You know, the brittleness was gone. Uh, but it was watching her kids interact with her that was incredible. They were so balanced and peaceful and adoring of their mum. And it was like this lady had been able to create that safe and nurturing way of being, not only for her kids, but for herself. Yeah. It was just phenomenal to watch. Uh, from what she'd come from. And often we, we so – I have the, the great fortune of having had a beautiful childhood with none of those traumas um, but know so many women who have and, of course, with the Me Too hashtag of late, we've seen just how pervasive abuse towards women has been. Um, yes. And um, and I think, um, you know, we often think it's a sentence and it's going to be this emotional scar that we carry for life and, oh, that's why I'm like this because X. Um, how amazing is it that we can have hope that we can actually unpack those things and, and develop a neutrality towards that past so that it doesn't have a hold over us anymore? I think that's just, ah, oh, that's really um, that's really got me. Good. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Um, so is there anything we can do, I guess, to, to finish here? I think this is a, a, a nice... Um, way for us to finish because often people hear from a specific practitioner and we've got many, many thousands of people who will be halfway across the world and perhaps in a remote area where they're unable to access an energetic healer or certainly someone who's got that amazing um, crossbreeding of therapies that you've um, you've got, Tracy, and, and they might be thinking, well, that's all well and good, but I don't. I can't get to someone like that. Um, is there anything we can do about these mismanaged emotions? Um, you know, I think I shared that quote in the introduction, mismanaged emotions are the highway to disease. Um, and it sounds super scary and quite powerful and a bit exciting because, you know, that might be a bit of a... Um, a, a turning point for people, but is there a strategy you can give all of us um, to ensure we're spring cleaning our emotions more regularly so that we don't um, we don't end up um, allowing, or at least uh, our emotions maybe are less uh, able to create negative impacts down the track. I don't. Yeah, sure. I don't know if I've asked that right. Have I? <laughs> well, it's, it's it's basically you know you, you've summed it up really well of what we we're all needing to look at and and that's basically um, what holds ourselves back mm. and what what is mismanaged emotions and how does that basically play out for us? Yeah. So mismanaged emotions are where there is some sort of internal conflict or a, a contradiction as to how things really are for that person. And again, it's like everything we've been talking about. It's something that hasn't been dealt with, which is causing an imbalance. 
And that degree of imbalance and how long it's been held will dictate how much of that person is affected. Mm. So we're looking at either the physical or the emotional or the mental. Um, so, so for the physical, that's something we can't really deal with, um, with, with respect to providing um, a, a single guideline, but we can certainly address the other two. Um, so in terms of um, spring cleaning, um, my approach would be to allow yourself to sit down once a week with a herbal tea or a glass of wine or a G&T and really look at your life as it currently is. I love that and you've given us some drinks options there, Tracy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and look at it in compartments. You know, Look at what you like about your life, what you don't like, what you want to change, and examine what takes you off balance and what's stopping you from getting where you feel you want to. And when you look at your life in this way, you can strategize the changes very efficiently. Would you like me to also send you a list of these kind of compartments so people can uh, get started with what to look at? Oh, my gosh, yes, that would be amazing. Okay. Um, another strategy I would suggest, um, and, and I do this very often myself when things get interesting, uh, I go into the observer role. I pretend that I'm on a movie set mm -hmm. as an observer and I'm just watching a really bad B-grade movie <laughs> being filmed. I'm sure it was an international blockbuster. Don't be hard on yourself. <laughs> and I just, I just watch the players, I watch the interactions and I just do not allow myself in this observer role to get engaged in any other way. And this helps me enormously um, not to go into any kind of emotional reaction. And it actually fortifies my balance. And I can come out of the other side of something relatively unscathed. So that's something that people really should consider uh, basically practicing so mm. they can drop into it at any stage. I love this because, um, and it's something you've taught me, is that you um, quite often we feel bad for having the reaction we have to things that happen yeah. in our life and we instantly think, oh, I shouldn't be letting that upset me so much and we try to bury it and we try to distance ourselves from it. But what you're saying is to actually just sit and observe it and be curious about how it's affecting you. Well, uh, look at how it's affecting you mm. and why and what's behind that why. You know, there's more just as many problems um, brought about by the suppression of what we need to say or the suppression of emotions than ones that are mismanaged. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Tracy. Gosh, that was um, that was a brilliant chat. And I think it's going to um, certainly have people Googling energetic medicine in their local areas. But if you're lucky enough to be in Sydney, I'll have Tracy's details in our interview today. Um, I know I discovered you through my lovely assistant, Elise, and then I've been to you and now my sister's um, going to see you next week. So I think there's this lovely thing about when you discover special people um, that it's it's a responsibility to share them. So it's been an absolute pleasure to share your gifts today. Uh, and please, guys, uh, do go to the show notes so that you get um, those theta metronome examples from credible sources and some of those tools that Tracy just talked about in um, in uh, spring cleaning, in regular emotional spring cleaning. Thank you so much, Tracy. And thank you, Alex. Thank you for this opportunity to help people see that there's a different way of resolving their issues. You're so welcome. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Have a wonderful week. And before I sign off, I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you that writes a review or leaves a five-star rating on iTunes, Stitcher or wherever it is you listen to the show. We appreciate it so 
much. It's the best way you can say thank you because it helps us stay visible and it helps people who haven't listened to the show before but who might come across it in a search think, "Mm, I might give that a go. So I appreciate that and I'm wishing you the best week. Until next week, you can catch us on lowtoxlife.com and if you want to check out those show notes, remember to put forward slash podcast and it'll take you straight there. Otherwise, I'll also see you on Instagram. I'm always posting there. It's a little bit more uh, personal and a look at sort of how I eat and what I do and my dad's pictures of blossoms and whatever else is going on. And that's at Low Tox Life. Have a great week and I'll see you next week. Bye.